last the blackness passed, Sam looked up and shadows were about him. But for how many minutes or hours the world had gone dragging on, he could not tell. He was still in the same place, and still his master lay beside him, dead. The mountains had not crumbled, nor the earth fallen into ruin. What shall I do? What shall I do? he said. Did I come all this way with him for nothing? And then he remembered his own voice speaking words that at the time he did not understand himself. At the beginning of their journey, I have something to do before the end. I must see it through, sir, if you understand. But what can I do? Not leave Mr. Frodo dead, unburied on top of the mountains and go home. Or go on? Go on, he repeated. And for a moment, doubt and fear shook him. Go on? Is that what I've got to do? And leave him? Then at last he began to weep. And going to Frodo, he composed his body and folded his cold hands upon his breast and wrapped his cloak about him. And he laid his own sword at one side and the staff that Faramir had given at the other. If I'm to go on, he said, then I must take your sword by your leave, Mr. Frodo, but I'll put this one to lie by you, as it lay by the old king in the barrow. And you've got your beautiful mithril coat from old Mr. Bilbo, and your star glass, Mr. Frodo. You did lend it to me, and I'll need it, for I'll be always in the dark now. It's too good for me, and the lady gave it to you, but maybe she'd understand. Do you understand, Mr. Frodo? I've got to go on. The Way Lesser Inklings podcast attempts to pay homage to the great writers, thinkers, and philosophers of the 20th century known as the Inklings, and to try to inspire a love for reading literature and finding the good, the true, and the beautiful in the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. My name is Josh Rice, and with me again is your co-host, Jake Rice. Say hi. Hi. There he is. Um, we're finishing up book four today. And boy, it's a it's a doozy to finish it. The chapter is called "The Choices of Master Samwise," and um, I think it's really important that we get the through line because this is one of those chapters. It's very complex. It has a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of ways you could go with it, and I think there is a way that we're going to go with it. Um, yeah. and, and we're going to we're going to try to play play it pretty disciplined. But before we do that, tell us what <laughs> happens in this chapter, Jake. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, don't say Samwise makes choices. <laughs> yeah. Darn it. Man, that's been my mo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the um, yeah. So basically, the chapter opens with uh, Frodo is um, seemingly dead on the ground mm-hmm. under the body of Shelob, and so Sam attacks, and so there's a there's a battle. Um, between Sam and Shelob that's that goes fairly quickly um, because of the fury of of Samwise Uh, and then basically after the battle Sam kind of collapses over Frodo and you know has to decide what to do and so I'll kind of give up the give up the ghost on our framework here Mm -hmm. and so we basically this is the choices of Master Samwise and we've discovered six choices that we have to weigh through and four of them happen really quickly Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so the way we're we're gonna go through each of those but basically um in the narrative summary uh samwise contemplates what to do he decides to move on um uh, bands of works from both sides come upon where frodo is laying and they end up taking him. Samwise finds out that uh, Frodo is not dead, uh, but that he's just poisoned. 
And so from there, he follows the orc party through the caves on their uh, on their journey to the Tower of Kirithungal, um, and hears much of their conversation between two of the chief orcs, Gorbag and Shagrat, mm-hmm. uh, one coming from Minas Morgul, one coming from Kirithungal, uh, and they take Frodo's body with their parties. The two leaders stay behind and discuss things, and Samwise overhears a big part of it. Um, and then they they take Frodo into the tower, and the chapter and book end with the gate being slammed on Sam mm-hmm. uh, and him basically slamming himself into it on the outside. Mm. Kind of a hopeless end. A, right. a hopeless end, seemingly. Yep. yep. Well, I think in, in getting right to it, we're, the bulk of this episode, I think, is going to be tracing those six choices. And maybe in some ways, the craziest of those choices is the first one. Because... Mm-hmm. What happens is that that Frodo's laying on the ground, his sword's next to him. Sam comes out after, if you remember, he's he's basically run off Gollum, you know, mm-hmm. with his fury. That Gollum had under underestimated him, and Sam body slammed yeah. him. And so what Sam does is he comes up to Frodo's body, laying on the ground, and he takes Frodo's sword, and then he turns around, and it says that he did not wait to wonder what was to be done or whether he was mm-hmm. brave or loyal or filled with rage, he sprang forward with a yell and seized his master's sword in his left hand. Then he charged. No onslaught mm-hmm. more fierce was ever seen in the savage world of beasts, where some <laughs> desperate small creature armed with little teeth alone will spring upon a tower of horn and hide that stands above its fallen mate. So Sam is... It, it's an instinct. It is a choice that he makes. Right, because because I think I think many other probably lesser le- less virtuous men or creatures would try to run and hide here and leave Frodo for mm-hmm. dead. Looks like he's dead mm-hmm. anyway, and let Shelob have her have her kill, and maybe you could get away. But that that's not a thought that occurs to Sam, and I think that's one mm-hmm. of the things that we're going to really unwind is who Sam Gamgee is in this yeah. chapter, and, and so yeah. what he is above all is he's loyal. And mm-hmm. he is quite brave, and he is quite enraged. I think it's all three yeah. of those things. And so he doesn't even think about it. He charges as this demon with a little mm-hmm. elf sword in his left hand. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to, and I know we spent time on this in the last chapter, um, you know, for She Loves Lair. But I, I think you said it right there, a demon. And there's a couple of sections I want to read to kind of affirm that this is no mere creature, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is... Um, like this is a, uh, a barren level assault, you know, from, from a small, from a small hobbit, you know, it says Shelob was not as dragons are. This is as he slashes her from underneath. Mm-hmm. Shelob was not as dragons are no softer spot. Had she save only her eyes knobbed and pitted with corruption was her age old hide. Uh, but ever thickened from within with layer on layer of evil growth. So, what I wanted to point out there is that like her, her body is wrought through her malice and evil. Mm-hmm. So like her impenetrable hide seemingly is essentially it, right? A hide of sorceress evil. Um, not like a dragon who is a natural creature, mm-hmm. but this is right. This is a demon, you know, taking the form of a, of a spider. Right. And, and it says there, I think pretty nobly, cause 
Tolkien weaves back the the bigger tapestry of the story is it says that um, these folds could not be pierced by any strength of men, not though elf or dwarf should forge the steel or the hand of Baron or of Turin wield it. So it's not it's not the elven blade, it's not mm-hmm. the strength of Sam that can do this. There, he's he's basically engaged in a hopeless fight because it, it recalls the scripture that you can't. You can't fight against spiritual forces with flesh and blood. And mm-hmm. so the sword, no matter what, is flesh and blood. And it is, you know, it is a sword that obviously has magical powers, but it can't it can't pierce her evil and the darkness around her. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how strong the person wielding it is, and it doesn't ha- matter how magical the blade is. Shelob can't be defeated by physical forces. And I think that that's a it can be a thing that's lost but i think mm-hmm. the reason i caught it this time is because we've talked so much about this being part of the bigger story you know with baron yep. and so that that language caught my eye and then i started thinking about like well what is that here it's not really talking the same way that he was earlier you know about being right. woven in he was just using a point saying it doesn't matter how great a warrior it is you can't defeat this creature with a sword so mm-hmm. it really does get because you can defeat dragons with swords in this lore, mm-hmm. and you can defeat mm-hmm. orcs and trolls, but you can't defeat Shelob because mm-hmm. Shelob is a spiritual being who has taken mm-hmm. on a physical body. Mm-hmm. Anything right. to anything to go there? Because no, <laughs> no, I think you know, I think I think the thing it harkens us back to is the Balrog, mm-hmm. right? There's a similar sort of idea, mm-hmm. right? That your their weapons are no good here because because that's not what that's not what her the balrog or shelob's strength is built on they're not built on strength of arms Mm. they're built on right the spiritual darkness Mm -hmm. that envelops them yeah i I think it is notable that what what really bothers shelob is that sam sam's like nothing she's ever seen before because Mm -hmm. he's so furious and so fearless that he comes in and he starts hacking and slashing and he he wounds her, but I think I think how he wounds her is really with his his virtue. It, it does recall mm-hmm. a lot of that Pilgrim's Progress stuff, where this is a spiritual battle. He's armed up, he's he's fighting that way, but ultimately the sword is not going to do it. She you know she falls on the spike and it hurts her. It says that she's never felt such a pain, right? But still, even after all that, it says that Sam crouched and looking at her, he saw his death in her eyes. And a thought came mm-hmm. to him, as if some remote voice had spoken, and he fumbled in his breast with his left hand and found what he sought. Cold and hard and solid, it seemed to his touch, in a phantom world of horror, the file of Galadriel. Mm-hmm. And so now something really weird's going to happen, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So he yeah. he pulls out this file. Le- like What Tolkien is clearly writing there is that Sam is giving way to her, right? That mm-hmm. he's in this kind of vapor world now that his death is in her eyes. Like she's taken his, his assault and it, and she's lived through it. And now she's turned her malice and her will back on him and is about to crush him. And he remembers yeah. wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. He remembers a prophecy, you know, he, he remembers the words of Elrond. He remembers the Shire. He remembers Galadriel. And then, he, then he starts, he starts screaming mm-hmm. in a language that he doesn't know. All right. Mm-hmm. So perk up if you're uh, if you're into that kind of thing, and yeah. he he basically reads this elvish poem, um, and he's he's kind of having an out of body experience 
because it says that right. he stumbles out of that and he gets to his feet again and he's just Sam again. And he right. and he he recoils and comes back and he says, "Come on, you filth! You've hurt Master and you'll pay for it." And the the file blazes into light, and basically yeah. that's too much for her. Right, right. It's she's now because yeah. now he's fighting like mark the change, right? Like now he's fighting with spiritual weapons, right? And and the light right. blinds her. Where the sword, yeah. the sword could hurt her. The sword couldn't defeat her. But the light yeah. in this, the like, I think it's a poem, right? That the the war is won with poetry, right? Mm-hmm. And language. Obviously, that's in Tolkien's yeah. purview there. So right. I know that's a lot. And yeah, it's a it's yeah. And a, I think yeah, I think the only thing, and I think we talked again. We talked about it. I think it all it all ties back because we've talked about the old stories and they come together with Shelob because this is because this is sort of the great right the great. Uh, guardian of Mordor, mm-hmm. essentially, right? It's the spiritual guardian of Mordor. Though she's not beholden to it, that's what she is. Mm-hmm. And and so I kind of see too where the the what beats her, like the trees are what beat her, mm-hmm. right? The trees of Yavanna are what defeat her. And it's mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I think I think it's because of the pure virtue of Samwise in this moment, because they wield. We talked about it that they wield the file of Gladriel against her in the caves, mm-hmm. and it and it it doesn't stop her. It pushes her back, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stop her. In this case, it it totally defeats her. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, I think what it by by the spiritual power of light, Samwise has tapped into the true power of the file of Gladriel, which is the un the total unleashing of the light. Of Yavanna, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and th- and and crushes their foe, crushes his foe. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right on it. It says that that it was like a star leaped from the firmament and sears the dark air with intolerable light. No mm-hmm. such terror out of heaven had ever burned in Shelob's face before, and that mm-hmm. that's it. Her her ancestor had stolen that light, right? Mm-hmm. But the light can't be stolen. It can't be and- suppressed. And, and isn't and, that the poetry though? Yeah. Is that the evil the evil one sucked out the light from the tree and her progeny, right? Her spiritual daughter of darkness is utterly destroyed by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's stuff in here, right? It says yeah. <laughs> it, it says pretty obvious it says that her she turned her maimed head away and she rolled aside and began to crawl towards the opening. Look, I got to say I I think there could be there could be a play in that of crushing the serpent's head that mm-hmm. that there's it's not it's not that Sam's Jesus or that Tolkien's mm-hmm. thinking that. I think he plays on these tropes and this good and evil stuff and and I think there's the mm-hmm. idea that you know that it's kind of kind of in a way with these grand stories what Adam should have done, right? Is that, is that there should have mm-hmm. been a fight. Right, there should have been maiming the head that you should wield yeah. the light, right? That yeah. the word of God basically should yeah. have been what was what was in Adam's words, and not the and, not the perverted word of the snake. Right, and it seems that Tolkien does tend to use the spider form as sort of the epitomized darkness in his tale, mm-hmm. as opposed to the serpent. Yep. Like, he, you know, I think he plays with some of that language in in the dragon thing, but he treats that more as a natural creature. Like the spiders here are clearly spiritual beings. Yep. You know. 
Yeah, and he t- he I think he plays with he plays with the dragon being much more seductive and mm-hmm. charismatic and and more mm-hmm. like more in the uh, the tricky sense of Satan with his mm-hmm. words where where Shelob is the is is the darkness and the this kind daunting power. Yeah, mm-hmm. the yeah, mm-hmm. sucking the light out, sucking the life out, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, I don't want to talk about the tongues yet. <laughs> Because there will be more, so yep. I don't know if it's tier two or tier three guy. Like, we're going to talk about tongues. We'll, we'll save some time. So, so this this brings us to the point right in the story where Shelob runs away, and now we get to mm-hmm. this really fast burst of choices, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it Frodo is laying on the ground; he appears to be dead. Sam is looking for a pulse, trying to catch a breath. He doesn't. He's Enraged, he's stabbing the air, um, mm-hmm. and and he doesn't he doesn't know what to do, and so now he starts to think, and he starts to see, and it, and almost in his despair, right, as he thinks of, like the the file of Gladriel saves him, but then he thinks of this prophecy that he saw in the mirror of Gladriel. Now remember, Gladriel mm-hmm. warned Frodo and Sam to not make decisions based off of what they see in the mirror. And Sam yeah. almost makes a crucial mistake here because he remembers that he saw Frodo with a pale face lying fast asleep under a dark cliff. And he said he thought fast asleep, but he said he's dead, not asleep, dead. Hmm. And the, the mm-hmm. reason being because he thought that Frodo would be asleep under a cliff, but he's actually yeah. dead. And so that yeah. brings him, I think, into despair. It says that it mm-hmm. almost like Shelob's work is accomplished through Frodo's death. It says a black despair came on him and he bowed to the ground and drew his hood over his head and night came into his heart and he knew no more. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though Sam is laid down to die Mm -hmm. and then he's not dead. So so it brings up, what are you going to do now? And so I'll I'll kick it to you for that part. part. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, so he has to weigh through his options. He has to, he has to kind of, he does rapid succession, make choices. And so his first instinct, um, much like his, much like choice number one was an emotional instinct to, um, to attack Shelob and to protect Frodo, uh, from, from her lair. Uh, and just to, you know, see, you know, I think at that point too, he's not sure that Frodo's dead. Right. So to, to, to protect Frodo. Mm-hmm. Um, so his choice is a, an, another emotional choice of vengeance and, um, I'm going to read the, these first two sentences of this line because I, I think they they say it well. He tried to find strength to tear himself away and go on a lonely journey. And there's a pause in the in the writing for vengeance. If once he could go, his anger would bear him down all the roads of the world, pursuing until he had, he had him at last, Gollum. Then Gollum would die in a corner. <laughs> and so, like, this is the choice that's before him now is... His his emotional choice is to seek vengeance and to go destroy Gollum, because mm-hmm. in his mind it's got it. This is all right. All of this doing is because of Gollum. Yeah, it was Gollum's god that yeah that killed Frodo in Sam's mind. Right. And so, you know, let's not let's not paint it as a horrible thing that Sam's contemplating doing. He's contemplating going to make war with the idolater who killed his master, and. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Gollum even mm-hmm. cursed him before the whole deed was done. And mm-hmm. but I think he's cooling down 
now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so he says that's that's not what he had set out to do. It would mm-hmm. not be worthwhile to leave his master for that. It would not bring him back. Nothing would. Yeah. They'd better both be dead together, and that too would be a lonely journey. So I think mm-hmm. that rolls you into the next option, yeah. right? Right. I I did want to say yeah. before we, before we move on, I don't I don't want to move there. I I think. He sounds a lot. the The writing starts to sound like Aragorn, the Tracker, things like that. Mm-hmm. This this resolve that Sam would have to basically spend his life to go mm-hmm. get Gollum, and I think that mm-hmm. would almost that would be kind of the Moby Dick idea, right? Is I'm going to spend mm-hmm. my whole life out for vengeance, or like Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. I think you know Tolkien acknowledges like that that is a reasonable thing that a character like Mm -hmm. Sam could do. We've, Mm -hmm. we've even had a lot of buildup to that being a a temptation or a possibility. Mm -hmm. Right. So don't just, don't just glance over it. I think it is a, I think it's a real thing that he's, that he's considering and thinking through, but ultimately that's not good enough. Right. His, I think his wisdom wins out in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll come, we'll kind of come back to that idea. So yeah, the, the third choice uh, is, maybe even darker yeah. <laughs> than the second choice is to, is to take his own life. Mm-hmm. He says, he looked on the bright point of the sword. Mm. He thought of the places behind where there was a black brink and an empty fall into nothingness. But he writes, there was no escape that way. That was to do nothing, not even to grieve. Uh, so, he, yeah. <laughs> this piece... I, I I didn't really remember it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I didn't. But I think I think it's very emotional. I think that there's a lot of bittersweet stuff in here that it's kind of shocking because no matter what we do, we're kind of encultured to what the movies did, right? They're powerful mm-hmm. in your mind's eye, and this is not a thing that Sam in the movie would have considered. And mm-hmm. I think that Sam is one of the characters that the movies get much more right than not. Like I, th- I think he's mm-hmm. one of their best adapted characters. But this is not mm-hmm. something that you could really imagine movie Sam doing. To be fair, it's a it's a fleeting thought, but it's a very serious one. He first looks at the sword, yeah. right, and he yep. thinks about that. But that would be really against his character because because Sam's only just used a sword really for like the second time in his life. You know, mm-hmm. but then he looks at just jumping off into nothingness. Mm-hmm. And I give you there's there's one other thing I want to do, but I don't want to. I want I want you because sometimes you jar stuff loose. So mm-hmm. what do you think about the suicide <laughs> yeah. option here? I think so. Kind of what harkens to me is is this is a like there's sort of the king's man idea here, mm. where I think we've I think it's the way I see it is that there's this idea of like. Frodo is we've we've discussed it in detail. That Frodo's a lordly man, and that Sam is his one of his greatest virtue is his loyalty to Frodo as his servant. Mm. And so I think there's this idea of like, look, if there's if there's no king, there's no place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what my thought of the instinct for even for Tolkien to write this mm-hmm. is that right is like without without the headship of Frodo and his leadership and foresight and wisdom is that Sam would, I think, I think would, would feel pretty listless and directionless. And that's not to say that he's not 
right, that he's not intelligent, but mm-hmm. that's his his life is a life of servanthood to Frodo. Mm. Yeah, and I, I I think that's a good call. I think that's probably what the sword language is about. It's almost mm-hmm. falling on your sword, right mm-hmm. next to next to your king. Um, yeah, and that that was right. a thing. That was a thing that your main, you know, that your number one warrior might do, like that sort right. of thing. So that's it. That would be thought yeah. of as an honorable death in a way, in right. kind of that right that kind of time period that we're playing that with medieval. Yeah, yeah, and so th- yeah, the second part I think is is right the nothingness the jump into nothingness is like that's just the total i i believe is is the less you know not that taking your own life i think is from a christian worldview is a virtuous thing but it's but is even less virtuous of this is total despair Mm -hmm. um and and i think but i think again you know i'll kick it back to you but i think even again that wisdom wins out because that to jump into the pit is to do nothing, not even to grieve. Mm. And so I think Tolkien's pointing to us here that like that grief, while heavy and and painful, is still a virtuous path, right? To to bear the grief of a lost loved one or a lost leader is still a path that is worthwhile. Because he because he's not because here he's still not even he's not to the point of continuing the journey. This is basically like, well, kill myself or not, mm-hmm. and to not kill yourself and bear the burden of grief is still the right the right thing to do. Right. I think I think I would jump around and say that that was to do nothing displays Sam's mission mindedness, and and that's mm-hmm. eventually what he's going to do. Is like he he's answering the question, what am I for? Right. What, mm. what, what it's, a, it's really a metaphysical question Would his Sam is trying to like, cause his, his purpose is gone in his mind mm-hmm. like that. And so what he's doing is he's really knocked off center. And he's trying to recalibrate, right? His purpose was, don't you leave him, right? Mm-hmm. Don't take your eyes off him, right? Do, yeah. Don't sleep while he's sleeping because we have to watch over. And now he's, that's the fall into nothingness, I think, is this idea of like, I don't, I don't have a mission. But then he starts mm-hmm. to realize like, no, there was something else going on here. And I, I, I don't want to skip it by. And I also don't want to whip us up into emotional frenzy. But I think, I think there's, there's four words here that are extremely beautiful. And I think that we miss in our culture. And that is not even to grieve. That was to do nothing, not even to grieve. So I think mm-hmm. that idea is what Tolkien is telling us is to grieve is a thing that is a positive. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, I don't want to get swept up. You're, in many ways, you're more acquainted with grief than I am. But I think that that grieving is the hardest human emotion to have. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the blackest. It's, it's the most hopeless it's the it's the depression it's where but but at, at the same time i think what tolkien is going to bring out of it is that when we grieve is also as christians when we cry out to god because mm-hmm. our own our own way is just completely destroyed when we grieve yep. something has died right whether yep. whether it be a loved one whether it be a marriage whether it be a friendship there's levels of grief right um, mm-hmm. But every time, yeah. I think grief lays you low. 
And so there is a a positive in grief because mm-hmm. because the grief God uses that he works all things for good to those who love him. Yep. Even the unimaginably painful. And mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't want to miss it. I was I was stricken by it because mm-hmm. it's amazing to see like we're just out of a culture, right? Like th- this takes you back to a better day, a more virtuous culture. Where Tolkien is basically saying, like Sam, you at least have to grieve. You you can't you can't just do nothing. You have to at least grieve, even if you sit here by Frodo and just grieve and get taken. That's a better thing than jumping off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really powerful thing to say. Uh, and and yeah. I think that it it's a very Christian thing to say, because to the world, what does grief bring, and what ends it? Mm-hmm. Just time and numbness. But yeah. to the Christian, to the Christian, what takes grief away is hope. Right, yeah. hope in God's promises, and That's right. and for Sam, what he's about to turn to is hope. And I think by the end of the chapter, what we're going to see is that his hope, even though it's really dim, is rewarded. Because the yeah. choices of Master Samwise are the right choices that he ends up mm-hmm. taking the right choice. Right. I knew I had a lot yeah. there. That's why I wanted to you yeah. know, be able to get there first. Yeah. No, I think I think that's really good, and it is. It's true because I think that, like, you know, we've talked about a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the circumstances. Like this book covers a lot of. This, there's a lot of range in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if, we're, if I'm saying this book in the sense of like this whole collection of, right, right the six books. Um, and, and like, I think Tolkien's worldview is pointing to us that like that grief is another one of those pressures that makes, right, that makes the man. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the man folds under the pressure, then in a sense, he's worthless. Like I'm not, I think you know what I mean is like, I'm not saying that his like this image bearingness is worthless, but he's he's lost his mission, mm-hmm. right? If he gives in to the pressure of grief, um, and it is it is a heavy pressure that um, that can steal, right? It does, like you said. I think you said it extremely well. So I don't I don't need to go on on with it, but it does. It humbles you and it brings you low. Is because right man's you know man's ways get shaken by God's paths. Mm. So that brings us, cause, cause what he's going to do is he realizes that's nothing, right? That's, that's the worthless path. So what am I going to mm-hmm. do? And he almost starts to, he, he cries out, right? He's, he's crying. What do I do? I don't have mm-hmm. a mission. And then here's the hard answer. It says he seemed plainly to know the hard answer see it through. Mm-hmm. And I highlighted that it's in italics, see it through another mm-hmm. lonely journey and the worst. <laughs> it's, it's interesting here that what Sam, so we can't, I, it's, we just can't, we can't shake our modernity. I don't think, yeah. cause I see it and, and I see what, what we would be thinking is why he said, why he's, why we would think it's the worst is because the danger of the cracks of doom and Mordor. Mm-hmm. But why Sam thinks it's the worst is because it's elevating him to a place that he has no business being in. And that's why this story right. is like 
hierarchy is such a theme in it because Sam's yep. torture here is not about going to Mordor, and we're gonna see we're gonna see that as the chapter plays its way. He's not afraid of going to Mordor. He's not afraid of Kirth Ungol anymore. He's afraid of of giving himself airs, right? And and, mm-hmm. and that's that's a, a yeah. bit, amazingly, it's right where he goes. He quailed, but his resolve, me alone. What me mm-hmm. take the ring from him? That's what mm-hmm. he says in italics again. Me take right. the ring from him. The council yeah. gave it to him, mm-hmm. and then he answers himself. Yeah. But the council gave him companions, so the errand should not fail. Fail, and you are the last of all the company. The errand must not fail. Mm-hmm. And then he does what Frodo did, yeah. right? He he wishes. Yeah. I wish I wasn't the last. I wish Gandalf mm-hmm. was here or somebody. Why am I left all alone to make up my mind? I'm sure to go wrong. And it's not for me yep. to go taking the ring, putting myself forward. And I'm going to posit yep. here that this is kingly yep. language that comes right from yep. Aragorn at the Argonoth and, and at his choices when Boromir falls is the same thing. Every choice I've made gone, has gone wrong, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. Every choice that Aragorn made furthered the purpose and was correct. Yep. And every choice yeah. that Sam is going to make here furthers the purpose because this is true mm-hmm. servant leadership. This is a kingly choice by Sam that's based on mm-hmm. his grit and resolve. And he mm-hmm. finds his mission Yeah, for a little while. Yeah. And, <laughs> right, for a little while. Yeah, and I think, uh, and again, I think with, with the information that he has and he's, right, and I think too is the fact that Right, we see the intelligence of Sam here to weigh out all the options, mm-hmm. and I think we see we see his his recall. I think his um, like even in the moment of desperation, right? He recalls the file of Galadriel mm-hmm. that Sam has a stout and true heart, mm-hmm. and it's and it's. I think that I think I've been guilty of seeing Sam as a foolish party uh, at times. I think especially probably early on and maybe even some cases being shaped by the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not at all who he is. He's, you know, he's, he's in, he's a wise servant, mm-hmm. but he's, his station is a servant. Yeah. And so, and he I has been training. He's been training for the mission. Yeah. That's what we see here yeah. is that he knows right. the information that he needed to know as a servant. He knew everything right. that pertained to him. Unlike Mary and Pippin, where Pippin gets chided because he wasn't paying attention to them, any of the maps. <laughs> Right, Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam's been paying attention. He knows where to go, right? right? Yeah, because he thought that right. he might have to help Frodo with Frodo ailing. Right? He he knew mm-hmm. where he needed to go. He knows what he needs to do. Yeah. But then he says the slide. Yeah. Right? I'm sure you highlighted yep. it. I'll let you no, do I it. I don't want to steal it from <laughs> yeah. you. Well, <laughs> okay. So he says, uh, "Yeah," and it's not for me to go taking the ring, putting myself forward. And then he answers himself. But you haven't put yourself forward. You've been put forward. And as for not being the right and proper person, why, Mr. Frodo wasn't, as you might say, nor Mr. Bilbo. They didn't choose themselves. <laughs> um, I, I underlined all of that, so I had to read it. And I think it's interesting because, for me, it recalls the Council of Elrond really clearly. Because... Um, in that chapter, you know, it's right. Basically, it's it's the council of who drives the mission that de- decides the fate of the world. Mm-hmm. And and Elrond comes out and says, you know, he says, 
you've been called here, and then he corrects himself, and it says, though none of you have been called, mm-hmm. but have been placed here, not by your own choice, but by, right, essentially by the sovereign decree mm-hmm. <laughs> to assemble these people in this time. It's it's amazing to me, because Tolkien, who was certainly not a Calvinist, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, absolutely not a Calvinist, writes this way, and yeah. and it just it, it just expo- it, it gives me great hope for him that because he yeah. he does have such a Christian worldview in this right that yeah. that at the end of the yeah. day there is this convergence right because Sam says oh well I must make up my own mind I'll make it up but I'll sure be sure to go wrong that'd be Sam Gamgee all over <laughs> he's he's so wrong but he's so humble yeah. because he is the servant yeah. and it it was not his job that like, Sam sees it he's fish out of water it was not his job to make these decisions he was prepared mm-hmm. for a different mission but this mission's come on him. He's been elected, we might say, to mm-hmm. to take on this mission because there's no other choice. And I think it's yeah. an amazing thing. It's it's but but it's we miss it, right? Cuz we think the courageous thing is for him to take the ring to go to Mount Doom. That's not the way Sam sees it at all. The courageous mm-hmm. thing is for him to accept the task that was yeah. given to his master. Right. And for him, that's just against his very character. Right. Yeah. How can I do that? That's right. That's not that's not me. And he's trying to he's I think that that paragraph. What's funny is that the the logic comes through and the worldview comes through. But I don't think Sam's convinced. Like, I think uh-huh. I think it's a weak argument. Right. I think yeah. I think you say, well, you know, Frodo and Bilbo weren't either. But he looks at Frodo and Bilbo as being like the, mm-hmm. the greatest people in his in his existence. And, he, yeah. and then he looks at himself as being sure to screw it all up and mm-hmm. the but the but the thing is whether he accepts it or not whether it's a weak argument or not he's not going to screw it up because there is sovereignty that's pushing this whole thing along right mm-hmm. yep absolutely so is yeah. that is that that choice i mean yeah he takes the so ring, that's his choice right yeah i mean the final line there is yeah he drew a deep breath and then take it it is <sighs> is the choice yeah. um yeah so, so that's number so then, four, right? Choice so that's four. that's number four. Yeah. So, you know, I think to try to move sort of quickly, mm-hmm. you know, he moves, he starts moving ahead, um, you know, and he's, he, uh, he basically says his goodbye, uh, you know, forgive your Sam. He'll come back to this spot when the job's done, if he manages it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I don't know if you wanted to, you know, to spend any time on that. No, I think, but, I think he's just... He, because it it comes really quickly after that. A line I'd highlighted that's along the same lines is is basically he is he is just going against his nature. He he now sees mm-hmm. it because he's been the one all the time. Like, are we going to have enough food for the return journey? Right? Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to get back? But he's he's so out of his element right now that his only hope would be to find Frodo again and lay there and die by him. Right having accomplished mm-hmm. the, the weighty mission that's that's been given to the fellowship, right, that he's the last member of, that he has to do the duty of the fellowship that's bigger than him, but he doesn't like it at all. And in fact, he says, I've made up my mind. He kept saying to himself, but mm-hmm. he had yep. not. Though right. he had done his best to think it out, what he was doing was altogether against the grain of his nature. Have I got mm-hmm. it wrong, he muttered. What ought I have to have done? 
it, mm-hmm. and I think you, look, <laughs> look, it's a thing. Like we we make excuses for ourselves all the time. We say like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to do that. The the fact of the matter is, is that we do what we are, right? Mm-hmm. We will cons- a tree is known by the fruit it bears, and yeah. Sam is white knuckling this right yeah. now. He has this external yeah. charge that's been laid on him by the council. And so he is yep. white knuckling it and trying to go and the slightest situation is going to knock him off. Right. Cause you mm-hmm. can't think, I think Tolkien's saying here, I know I do know some of his worldview as far as this natural law and Thomism and stuff like that. And this, this yep. weighs in pretty powerful that a thing, a thing is not going to be able to go against its nature. Right. Yeah. And I think we would agree yep. with that. Like a thing yep. is not in the long term going to be able to go against its nature. Right. Right. Yeah. I could say really bombastic things there, but I but I won't about yeah. about yeah. when people or things try to go against the very right. nature of what they are. It ends really badly, yeah. and right. and for Sam, I think the same thing, because yeah. speeding yeah. along, right? As we as we right. get to, he's he reluctantly takes those steps, almost like he's dragging himself away from Frodo, mm-hmm. and he gets up into the higher places, and here come the orcs. The flicker of approaching torches and the clink of steel mm. was very near. Um, yeah. And so at this point, <laughs> uh, an interesting thing happens, you know, and he says, how could he escape or save himself or save the ring? And he he puts the ring on. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and this is a very interesting thing. Yeah. And I think, I think it does show, I think it does show that Sam is... It just in no way regards himself to be the ring bearer mm-hmm. here. It, yep. In no way, he's completely yep. innocent. He has yep. he has no he, thought of owning. And it's the only way that he could put it on right here and not get yep. not have all the Nazgul immediately yeah. flying to their location. Yeah, and I I would say it's like he he is Bilbo in this moment, mm-hmm. right? Because he has no desire of power for himself like not even a hint of it so like the ring because he knows it turns him invisible it's it's merely a protective mechanism like he's he's not trying to take the ring he like and that's the difference i think there's a difference right between trying to use the ring and and take the ring Mm, yeah and it's it does you know the ring has effects on him Right, it, mm-hmm. it's weighing him down. Like he he yep. feels that there's an eye somewhere searching for him, but I think mm-hmm. the eye can't pierce and can't find him because he's not wielding the power, like knowingly. Mm-hmm. Like if there had been yep. any claim or desire for power, he would have been found here. Um, so the 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 orcs start talking. He can understand them, right? Yep. Um, so yep. the ring gives him the gift of interpretation of tongues. Right, he can yeah. understand the black speech, <laughs> yeah. um, while the file gave him the ability to speak in the elvish tongue. The, yep. the ring gives him the dark ability to interpret the black speech. Um, mm-hmm. So he, the, the orcs come down and they start talking about, you know, they they're gonna they find the body, right? Mm-hmm. They find Frodo, yeah. and then the the gig is up. So we get choice number five, is that yeah, Sam's gonna go back to Frodo. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> he did not he did not make it very far. <laughs> and he says it. Their plans, the yep. council, their plans have gone wrong. I can't be their ring bearer, not without Mr. Frodo. Yep. So yep. so he goes back and he starts thinking through how many orcs there are, like 30, 40, like what am I going to do here? Yep. You know, but his decision is made. Like he's going to go back to Frodo. <laughs> um yeah. And I think I yeah. think he's going to be rewarded for that decision. Um, and now I know we had talked about it. It's it's probably the time to push part before we get into the sixth and do the thing with the languages. <laughs> yep, I think now's the time. Yeah, this is your deal. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I look at this. So again, this is not the Bible, but I think there's a few things we we do have to always look at. Who the author is, what's the context, what's going on, and Tolkien is famously—he's a philologist. He's he's fascinated with languages. We've talked before mm-hmm. about how he talks about the power of word, right? Like yep. knowing words, knowing languages makes you greater, right? Makes you more powerful. And so, in some sense, it's easy to understand that these powerful objects, like the file of Galadriel and the One Ring, give mm-hmm. this power to have words, right? Yep. But in another sense, he he plays with an idea here that there are external forces at work that mm-hmm. manifest through a person and then cause cause the speaking to effect, right? That that Sam's yeah. speaking in the elvish tongue is a big mm-hmm. part of making the blazing light and engaging right. the spiritual weapon, right? So in this sense, yeah. the gift of the elvish tongue, which is yeah. a real language in Tolkien's world, yeah. right? <laughs> it, uh, it, not very gl- clearly not marked. Glossolalia, right? It's, uh, yeah. So he, he, uh, uses that and it repels evil, but then the one ring gives him the gift of being able to understand a tongue that he doesn't understand, which gives him power in the situation because he knows the plans and he learns extremely valuable information, which is that Frodo mm-hmm. is alive. Yeah. Which is profoundly valuable information. Right. <laughs> right. It changes the yep. whole course of events because he was probably if, if he hadn't heard that, like Sam's probably gonna go just attack the orcs here because he has real mm-hmm. no no reason to even try to care about the odds or try to survive. He's just gonna mm-hmm. die in vengeance. Right, yeah, and kill as many of them as he can. But Frodo being alive changes the course. So, what's the professor doing? Is he is he mm-hmm. merely playing the game where external forces, old powers, relics, can change the course of the future and are used by the sovereign power to do so, or is he playing a little bit with this idea, more of a more of a charismatic kind of bent that? There's there's power in these kind of gifts, right? That this, you know, no speaking mm-hmm. this language aloud, that sort of thing. That something happens here, and that basically, for, for lack of a better term, that Sam gets filled up with the spirit and starts, <laughs> and, and starts speaking. This this makes me uncomfortable. I'm glad it's not the yeah. Bible because I am a fairly hardened cessationist. Yeah, <laughs> not the most hardened, but fairly hardened. Um, yeah. So there, there it is laying it out. What do you think he's doing? Mm-hmm. I definitely underline it and definitely have noodled about this one quite a bit. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I did, I think it seems, it seems clear to me that he's playing with, um, 
I think this. I, I think he's playing with this spiritual object of, uh, you know, of power. It's interesting that, you know, I, I kind of saw it more when you, you know, when you kind of first floated the idea to me. I think Friday of last, you know, of last week, that I kind of saw it sort of unfolding in a power of light and a power of dark. That, right? He's you know, he is given the gift of interpreting like the kind of the darkness language. Um, but it is for, you know, it is for the glory of his mission. So I don't know. I, I, I think that I do think the theme is that he's playing with this, this higher power, giving a lesser power, the ability to speak and interpret languages for the glory of his mission. Mm. I think he's doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, now whether he's trying to whether he's trying to tell us that that's a a reality in our world, or if he's playing with it himself, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it does seem to me that that's that's what's going on because because I think he makes it really clear that Sam wouldn't have been able to do that without the file mm-hmm. in his hand. Yep. Um, and we know we know for a fact that he couldn't do it without the the ring. Right. And and this chapter is really the convergence of a spiritual warfare because we've had the demon. Mm-hmm. Shelob at the start we've had right you know the 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 star the basically the light of the trees you know mm-hmm. it with the file kind of rekindled we have yeah. we have the one ring which is you know really evil in a in a relic and we also have you know this interesting thing the orcs start start talking about which is that spies were feared and the very reason that these orcs are here right now is because the witch king feared mm-hmm. spies and sensed them in the valley and has put everybody on double vigilance and, and yep. kind of summoned them to patrol the pass. Right. So there's, mm-hmm. there's this watchfulness. There's these, there's these clashes of forces of obviously and explicitly light and dark, right? The light of the file, mm-hmm. the darkness of the ring, the darkness of the witch King and the orcs and all that stuff. And so I think it is a time that Tolkien is yeah. set up and is playing with the idea that there are, there are mm-hmm. magical, forces at work mm-hmm. probably in his universe yeah. that's what he would say it's fairy there's there's magical yeah. forces we yeah. would call it more spiritual forces i kind of like the idea of like I'm, I'm okay with the enchantment or the magical ideas like i think for us mm-hmm. with our limited understanding we you know for it was good enough for it was good enough for the ancient man for a long time to attribute these things to magic and mm-hmm. i don't think we're much more yeah. learned than they are in the idea of right. spiritual forces like just because we call it yeah. magic in the story doesn't mean that it doesn't have spiritual application. Yeah. I think it's just very interesting in that it once again draws a fine point to the idea that 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 understanding of language and the use of language is very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna go charismatic or even continuationist. You, so <laughs> it's like calm down calm down out there. All right. <laughs> I think yeah. Well I think too I think too it's like that Told, you know that that Tolkien has a lot a lot of range mm-hmm. as well, and that because I you know I may argue that he he's gonna play like he plays more with a um, historical mythology than he does with kind of theology proper. Mm-hmm. But at some point, like any 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 um, I think any historical scientist beyond the last you know ninety years would say that. Or at least in from the Middle Ages through the, you know, Enlightenment would say that that's what science was. Mm-hmm. Like science was trying to 
is trying to reconcile the mysteries of the world under the under theology like theology was called the queen of the sciences Mm -hmm. for a reason because everything exists under it Mm. and i and i think that i think that tolkien's you know i think creative and explore exploratory mind is probably playing with something there Mm -hmm. do we want to talk about the orcs much uh we definitely need to a little um okay and it you know it ties in with the with the last choice i think i have maybe one or two okay main points and i know okay you know we'll come back to we'll come back around to them in like 12 weeks (laughs) right right because because their culture their culture gives us hope right that Mm -hmm. that the good Mm -hmm. can win yeah but we'll not we'll not go in deep on the culture here i don't think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think I think the main thing really it's early on. I I, I think the, probably the thing that I would want to talk about is is this uh, kind of the the hierarchy thing. It's it's interesting to me that these two um, these two kind of captains of their orc parties are they're both extremely terrified of their bosses mm-hmm. of their leaders mm-hmm. um, and. So like they're subject to them um, out of fear, um, but definitely not out of and 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 definitely not out of love because they essentially right they don't <laughs> their culture is so broken because they'll stand aside and disparage their leaders and think about a time where they don't have to serve them mm-hmm. but they won't do it within earshot of their their company because <laughs> right. there's traders everywhere right. there's traders because everywhere there's people wanting to climb the ladder. Like if you could right. bring this bit of news on Gorbag to the Nazgul, like they'd skin mm-hmm. him alive, and now he mm-hmm. got a new captain, and you get better mm-hmm. meat, basically. Because mm-hmm. we yeah. we talked about that back with, you know, Ugluk and yep. the you know the Urukai that yep. they're they're ruled by their belly, they're ruled by their yep. their sensual desires. Um, yeah. What else you got? Yeah, I think this. I mean, I think it's the main thing is that really is that you can't escape the hierarchy. Um, and I think uh, maybe it could have been a thought to roam with, but it's. It, I think what I see in all of that is that that there's two types of hierarchy. There's there's a hierarchy of self service that leads by fear, and there's a hierarchy of um, humility that leaves leads by self sacrifice, mm-hmm. and. And and I think the reality is that both are going to exist. Period. Mm-hmm. The world cannot operate without hierarchy. The desirable world is a hierarchy where our where our leaders, where our we'll call them the elites, right? Where that elite class leads with self sacrifice mm-hmm. because it's for the good of all men, yeah. not just their own bellies, right? It's for the good of all men. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that very clearly on display through Christ, that Christ led through self-sacrifice mm-hmm. that paved the way for and for all generations of men. Right. I think the only thing I got on the orcs right now is that their dreams of utopia, like they want to throw off their hierarchy and basically go with a few good lads and be off by themselves, basically doing whatever they want. And I think that is mm-hmm. the mantra of modern America is that mm-hmm. what what we want to do is basically get away from everybody who's our boss and just go eat and have a few buddies and have a party all the time and that that would be great. And mm-hmm. that is exactly the kind of mentality that will put you in slavery not only to your desires but actually put you in slavery to the bosses. 
because because, mm-hmm. because you're not you're not working to build anything. You're not building anything that is durable or a threat to anyone. Like you are mm-hmm. you are just a beast to be led around essentially. Yep. And so their delusions of utopia make them the perfect slaves to the Nazgul and to the Dark Lord who would absolutely mm-hmm. throw them to Shelob at a moment's notice to be eaten if they if yep. they didn't like him that day. And yeah, they, they got nothing to say about it. That's what autonomous libertine quote freedom unquote will get you, because it's it's mm-hmm. not freedom at all. It's just a it's just yeah. a lie of the enemy that's slavery with a nice sugary coating on, on the outside of it. Um, yeah. So this gets us to yeah. choice six, which right. is where we end the chapter, right? Mm-hmm. And so he hears yeah. that Frodo is alive, and they're they're going through the tunnels, talking and they kind of lose him and you know, and he's still hearing their voices and he, he hears they're going to, where they're going to put him in the tower. They're going to put Frodo in the top of the tower. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and Sam makes choice number six, which is that he's going to follow and rescue Frodo. Yeah. His, his new mission is the same as the old mission. His mission (laughs) wavered a little bit, but now it's back to, he's going to, not leave Mr. Frodo, right? He's gonna, <laughs> right. he's gonna get in. Um, he's gonna do whatever it takes. And very interestingly, I think that he he does not have fear of Kirith Ungle at this point, and he doesn't care how many orcs are in there. He's gonna mm-hmm. go and make every attempt that he possibly can to rescue Frodo, and mm-hmm. it, it runs into a wall right away. And yeah, we'll 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 have to wait twelve weeks to see how that lands. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to? close with the last line the last paragraph of the book i do i do want to yeah. talk i know we talked a little bit in the pregame and i wanted to bring it back because the language is is really jarring yeah. they are um, interjections and, yeah yeah interjections and so um I, I, something i had noted just because tolkien is his he doesn't write his sentences this way mm-hmm. it's it's very infrequent and so um it kind of it struck me um as, as we were reading it. So I'm going to read the last paragraph and then we'll, then we'll finish up. Um, so Sam, Sam's basically come to the gates, uh, um, as the orcs, the orcs had gotten in front of him says the great doors slammed to boom. The bars of iron fell into place inside clang. The gate was shut. Sam hurled himself against the bolted brazen plates and fell senseless to the ground. He was out in the darkness. Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy. And it just struck, it, it struck me because of like the harshness of the boom and the clang. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like prison, think, right? It's yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a prison, and it's a prison that interestingly Sam wants to to be in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he can rescue Frodo. Um, but it's not time, not yet. And um, and I think too the other part is because because this is the close of the book. I think it's also the masterful work of Tolkien leaving us on the edge. Mm-hmm of we know Tolkien's alive mm-hmm. and we're going to we're going to in in the publication cycle we left Tolkien or we left this for a good 6 months mm-hmm. and then we have another 10 chapters in between right and and the next you know, the time sand. we hear about this is a, a servant of the enemy possessing mm-hmm. Frodo's mithril coat right which causes yep. no small no amount small stir. Yeah. yeah yes <laughs> yes it uh, yeah. it causes a lot of outburst and things like that so yeah, yeah, I think that's a good call. I think it's a good way to 
for us to end to on on that one. Yeah. So uh, you're up first this time. <laughs> I know I'm up first. I think I think the lesson. Um, <laughs> I think the lesson out of this chapter to me, and the th- the, so that'll be the thought to roam with, is to very seriously evaluate your mission. Mm. Um, because what we see is Sam has to come to terms, and he does. Like he has to come to terms with with his mission changing, right? With everything that's in front of him, he he does is required to change his mission. But I think if we're, I think as leaders of home or, or whatever capacity you lead in, right, um, is that one, you should have a mission. <laughs> yep. um, and, the, and then beyond that is there may come a time when your mission is going to change, but I think, I think it requires a hard look and a lot of questions if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Sam rightly puts everything through the paces is that, his wisdom comes through in that he battles his emotions, right? His emotion to change, his first emotion to change his mission is vengeance to go kill Gollum. Mm-hmm. And he rules that out. His other emotion is the despair mo- emotion to kill himself. And he, he wisely rules both of those things out. Um, and so I think, but ultimately what I'm getting at is, right, is put yourself in a position to ask hard questions about what you're doing if your mission is changing, or if you find that your mission is changing frequently, that that's something that you probably need to evaluate very clearly and yep. closely. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think Sam has really purity of mission in the story and, mm-hmm. and he's only, he's only at odds when he forgets that, that he's, he's lost the main thread. Um, mm-hmm. Mine's going to be similar, but a little different. It, it recalls, uh, I've used a mantra for years now. I think probably, probably for my entire pastoral ministry the I've used a mantra that the, the only thing that matters is faithfulness, right? It, the results, the, you know, the carnage, the opposition, none of that matters if I'm being faithful. And, and so that's an important thing to remember when you're dealing with numbers, you know, of church members or whatever, or, you know, and in the home, like, kids that are that misbehave or you know stressful times and that sort of thing it's easy for us to get distracted in looking at circumstances and results and i think i think here what sam ultimately does is that he is faithful to what he knows he's for right that that he finally gets this question that there are because of the there is a sovereign hand leading that some external circumstances do push sam back into who he is and what he's for. And I, I have just utmost confidence that the Lord who knew us before we were born, who knew what what purpose we were going to serve in the kingdom, what things we were going to accomplish, he knew all that. That he is, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says that that he has laid out all those works for us beforehand. I have mm. utmost confidence that our job is simply to be faithful to what we know we're for and what we know we're supposed to do. And a lot of times that's, that's really simple stuff. And, and, you know, it's, it's served me well in good times and in more difficult times. And sometimes in extremely difficult times, it's served me well to remember what is the, what is the mission? What am I for? You know, what have you put me here to do? Like, let's, let's do those things. And it's not 75 different things. It's, 
mm-hmm. just a few things that I know that I'm here to do. And, you know, that can carry you through encouragement that would entice you away or, you know, praise. It can carry you through criticism. It can carry you through opposition. Just be faithful. And I think that's what Sam ultimately does. He's he's faithful to his cause and to his mission, and he's going to see mm-hmm. it through. And he doesn't fear death. And he doesn't he doesn't fear anything because now at the end of this chapter we see him not questioning himself and muttering we see him slinging himself against a gate of this mm-hmm. impenetrable tower that had so feared him because he's not afraid anymore because he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. So I'll I'll end it there and I am looking forward to book four yeah. recap. I I oh, yeah. put it out there today for questions, but. You know, we're probably recording this before people hear this one. So hopefully you gave us questions after you uh, saw it and heard us the last time. We need to get better about soliciting them in the the episode before. But either way, (laughs) ask us questions and join us again next time as we take the uh, super relaxed lounge chair approach to uh, looking back at book four. Until then, keep reading Lord of the Rings. Bye.